Hello, and welcome to our podcast on Research Matters, hosted by UNICEF's Office of Research at Innocenti in Florence, Italy. Today, we're joined by two UNICEF program experts for children and AIDS in Tanzania, Vicky Chua, a Tanzanian and former acting chief at UNICEF Tanzania with many years of experience working with children and adolescents in the country, who now works at UNICEF Botswana, and Ulrika Gilbert, current children and AIDS chief at UNICEF Tanzania, as well as our own social policy specialist at UNICEF Inucenti, T. Palermo, who's currently heading up the research efforts for the Cash Plus program we'll be discussing today. Our topic today is to discuss the groundbreaking Cash Transfer Plus program for adolescents in Tanzania, which was just officially launched in mid-September of this year. Before we begin our discussion, for some of the listeners who may not be familiar with cash transfer programs or who don't quite grasp what Cash Plus programs are, I'll offer a brief primer. Cash transfer programs aim to reduce poverty and improve health and social outcomes by providing direct cash payments to the poor and vulnerable populations. So what is Cash Plus? Cash Plus programs provide cash payments in combination with complementary support, or plus factors, to households, usually on a monthly basis, as part of a social protection policy that targets the most vulnerable, impoverished households in a developing region. Unlike traditional unconditional cash transfers, Cash Plus programs identify key factors needed to contribute to successful impact of cash transfers, such as educational or health services, which will contribute to longer-term success of the program. For more information on Cash Plus, please visit our website, unicef-irc.org, and follow our recent updates on Cash Plus on our UNICEF Innocenti Facebook page. The program launched in Tanzania that we'll be talking about today is a Cash Plus program, and we'll be discussing how it came about, what it aims to do, what's happening on the ground in Tanzania right now, and where it's going. To start us off, I'd like to introduce Vicky, Ulrika, and Tia, all of whom have been very involved in the program's development. Thank you all for joining us. Happy to be here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for uh, inviting us and giving us this opportunity to share about our program in Tanzania. Thank you for coming. So this Cash Plus program evolved from a need to address risk factors for adolescents in Tanzania, where Vicky is from and worked for, for many years with UNICEF. So Vicky, could you tell us a little bit about the background of what kind of risks adolescents are facing in Tanzania today? Majority of them, approximately 58%, live in multidimensional poverty. And HIV, violence, early pregnancy, and marriage are realities that are faced by adolescents in Tanzania. With regards to HIV and AIDS, half of all females have had sex by the age of 17. And comprehensive knowledge is quite low, particularly if you look at um, adolescents aged 15 to 19, with, with only 37% of females and 42% of males having com- comprehensive knowledge of HIV-AIDS. Okay, thanks, Vicky. Uh, what about early marriage and sexual violence? Again, early marriage is a reality for, Tanzania, for, for adolescent girls in Tanzania, with half of all females already married by the age of 19, and 40% of girls pregnant or have had a child by... Um, by 19, years, uh, by 19 years of age. Um, again, violence is also a reality that uh, adolescents face in Tanzania. High levels of sexual abuse and exploitation, as well as emotional and physical violence have been reported, with three in 10 females and one in seven males experiencing sexual violence before the age of 18. Is poverty a risk for adolescents in Tanzania as well? 
poverty also, particularly extreme poverty, is also a, rea a reality with uh, poor adolescents um, more likely to be out of school and married as children, with also very few opportunities, very few uh, economic empowerment opportunities and uh, livelihood options. So against um, this background, um, we've seen that adolescents are a growing uh, population. They face uh, interlinked risks that need to be addressed holistically, and yet they've been overlooked as a group and are full of promise, initiative, and have demonstrated great resilience. Could you tell us a little bit more about the key objectives of the Cash Plus program and how you developed them? Okay, so um, the, cash, the key objective of the Cash Plus program was really to examine how and to what extent um, bundled livelihood interventions integrated into existing government structures and targeted to youth from households that were receiving uh, government cash cash transfer can positively impact youth well-being and facilitate their safe transition to adulthood. So the cash trans the cash the cash plus really aimed to empower. Uh, youth through uh, to empower youth through social and economic asset training, combined with uh, messaging on uh, sexual reproductive health, gender equity, and violence prevention, with linkages to um, to sexual reproductive health uh, to uh, to sexual reproductive health services. So really, the objectives was to see how that how they can transition positively. Ulrika, you've taken over as Chief for Children Aids in Tanzania since the beginning of this year when much of our baseline research was just starting and currently are overseeing the implementation of the Cash Plus intervention and country-level coordination with its partners. How has the program progressed since you joined? When I joined in January 2017, we had to develop really the detailed architecture of the implementation. We knew the overall objectives was multi-sectoral, combining three streams, which is livelihood and empowerment training for young people, SRH and HIV training and education, as well as access to health services. But how would we actually implement the, these interventions? What is the length of training required? Um, <clears throat> what kind of support would adolescents themselves need in, this, in, this, in the intervention? So we put a team with TASAF and TACATES together to develop um, the detailed streams of the interventions. We've developed the, um, we've developed the, 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 the training design, the education design, and have agreed with our partners that we would focus on a three months training with one week sessions for those adolescents boys and girls, because most of them are out of school and not necessarily um, available to sit in, in, in large blocks of time to be trained or be interested in such a training. So the training is designed in a way to suit their needs and around their availability, once a week, four hours. The second big decision was would we, how would we deliver the livelihood and the empowerment intervention together with the SRH and HIV education. And from research it showed that they'd like to be trained in both um, um, 
concurrently combined because most young people, their prime interest is livelihood. We had several meetings um, at different levels because Tanzania is a devolved country, so you require not only national coordination, but you require also at the regional, at the subnational level, um, full ownership and strong support as well as district level. So we had a, a range of meetings at the different levels to ensure that such ownership of the program is there right from the beginning when implementation starts. There was another important progress which we made um, because the overall design earlier was um, su suggesting and was outlining the overall vulnerability of 15 to 24 year olds. But that for, for a program of this nature is quite broad in terms of age brackets. So we looked at the data and discussed with our partners if we could narrow the age brackets to 14 to 19 because that you have a window of opportunity to, um, to offer alternative pathways be before poor health outcomes or poor livelihood outcomes happen. Really interesting on how you identified that crucial window of opportunity for adolescents. So it sounds like a lot has happened since the baseline began in January. What can you tell us about how the program has picked up since the formal launch this past September? So quite a lot has happened since January. And uh, yeah, we had the formal launch last week. Um, what, what I was saying is that a lot of things have happened, but we still did a formal launch. Um, so that uh, led by the government that uh, we continue on that track, strong government leadership, strong government ownership throughout the whole process. The launch was also really important for visibility of, of the whole initiative with very good media coverage and participation by the different partners. Just a quick question about the specific training that adolescents are getting. Uh, you mentioned livelihood being something they're really interested in. Could you go into more detail on, on what the adolescents are getting out of this training and what they're learning and how they're learning? The learning is designed to be very participatory. The Cash Plus program targets the adolescent participants are low literate, low numerate. So you have to design a training program um, which is not only participatory, but builds their knowledge and skills at the level where they are. TASAF has also made a very strong point that the livelihood training should be transformational. So it should give them skills to, um, to aspire and desire change in their own life. It's also grounded in looking for local opportunities, whatever livelihood opportunities there may be in the local area, in the local community to try to access them. So it has a skills building component and it has a strong component around um, you know, de developing the ambitions of young people to engage in livelihood um, activities. It is not actual vocational training, but after the initial training period comes a period of mentoring and coaching, where adult local community-based mentors will link up these young people to existing vocational training opportunities. Tia, you're heading up the research end of the program and have been instrumental in the development of the rigorous research design since the start of the project. Can you explain where the Innocenti research team comes in and how you've designed the research study? Yes, thank you. Here at UNICEF Office of Research Innocenti, I work on a larger project called the Transfer Project, where we work with 
government programs providing cash transfers in 10 countries, and we work on evaluations of those government cash transfer programs. As part of that, we were involved in evaluating the impacts of the PSSN program in Tanzania on youth well-being and the transition to adulthood. That led us into being involved in the impact evaluation of the subsequent cash transfer or the cash plus program which builds on the existing cash transfer program in Tanzania. And what we're doing is we're trying to understand whether or not this plus component can help improve the well-being of the adolescents above and beyond the cash transfer and whether or not it facilitates safe transitions to adulthood. So we want to know does it improve their knowledge and aspirations and around livelihoods? And does it improve their sexual and reproductive health and HIV risk behaviors? In order to do that, we're doing a longitudinal research study and we're using a cluster randomized control trial design. So what that means is we have 130 villages overall where we're examining the impacts of this program. There are more villages participating overall in the Cash Plus program, but this is the sample that we're using to do the impact evaluation. So we're randomizing 65 of those villages to receive the Cash Plus, and the other 65 villages will continue to receive the PSSN Cash Transfer program, but they will not be involved in the Adolescent Cash Plus activities. What this allows us to do is to compare those two groups, so those adolescents living in the control versus the treatment villages over time. So earlier this year, you mentioned that we had done a baseline. So the reason we did the baseline is to be able to understand what did the adolescents' lives look like before they received any of the plus component. These households have been receiving cash, and the cash plus is now being implemented um, starting now. And so we wanted to understand what did their lives look like before so that we can go back again next year and the following year to see if there have been any improvement in the lives of the treatment youth. Really interesting. Thank you. What can you tell us about the existing evidence and how we're evaluating the impact of cash plus for adolescents? So we know from a lot of growing existing evidence that cash transfers can facilitate safe transitions to adulthood. The largest impact that they have at the household level are generally around reducing poverty-related indicators, improving food security, smoothing consumption over the lean season. And we also see from cash transfers across the region that they increase positively impact the schooling enrollment of secondary school age children. And schooling we know is a pathway to a lot of other positive changes in youth's lives. We've also seen from some countries, and it, it's context specific and depends on different things, but we see that cash transfers at the household level can also delay sexual debut, they can delay pregnancy, and they can sometimes improve the mental health of the adolescents living in those households. However, cash alone is not a silver bullet. It can't do everything, and so we see that there are some limitations to what the cash can do. And that's really where the cash plus comes in, because we know that cash can have very positive impacts on the lives of adolescents, but it might not be enough. And we also saw from previous research on these PSSN households that over half of the youth between the ages of 15 and 17 years 
were not in school at baseline before those households started receiving the cash. So while the cash can help keep some adolescents in school and maybe even get some to go back, there are a lot of adolescents that are not in school and so they need other alternatives to have productive futures. The research question here is really how is this program going to improve their livelihood knowledge and skills and aspirations? Is it improving their sexual and reproductive health? Is it increasing their HIV and AIDS knowledge and reducing their related risk behaviors? And we're also studying violence because we know that violence is also deeply interrelated into all of these adverse outcomes. So we want to understand how this empowerment program for youth can potentially reduce the risk of violence that they face in their daily lives. After the implementation this fall, as Tia just mentioned, the evidence from this phase will be evaluated in the spring for the first phase. What are some of the changes you expect to see come out of this? So when we go back in May of June next year, the youth will have had the interface for the very intense part of the training over a three-month period, and then they will be in the beginning stages of the mentoring phase of the project. So what we might expect to see in May or June are perhaps not behavioral changes at this point, but we expect to see that their knowledge levels have increased. Maybe now they have more gender equitable attitudes based on the training that they've received, and they might have increased aspirations, knowledge, and plans for their future. So we want to be able to measure that in May and June. And then when we go back another year from now, or a year from then, maybe we will be able to see some behavioral changes. So in addition to the evaluation results from the impact evaluation, for UNICEF Tanzania and our partners, it's also really important to see and to learn together with our government partners how to implement such a fairly complex project in a way where one government department has to work very closely with other government departments together to bring about results for children. Tanzania is also developing its new social protection policy, so we're looking at opportunities to feed the learning, which coming out of the, out of the Cash Plus project, into the broader policy framework and the new national strategies which are being developed. So the reason that we've been focusing on jointly on livelihoods and sexual and reproductive health and HIV knowledge is because the evidence shows that youth need more than just economic empowerment. They really need this social training and the health strengthening um, to strengthen their social and health assets at the same time. So it's not enough to just economically empower an adolescent if they're not able to make the decisions about their lives, about when to get pregnant and when to have a family. So. This is really the idea behind this project is to simultaneously empower them both on the economic front but also on the social and health front so that they can transition safely to adulthood and reach their most productive potential mm -hmm. as adults. And this is really important I think for the government of Tanzania in general because Tanzania is facing a demographic boom right now. So the largest ever adolescent population in Tanzania is expected to reach its economically productive years in the next 10 to 15 years. So governments across Africa are facing this demographic boom and they really have an opportunity to, to turn this boom into a demographic dividend. But governments can only do that if their adolescents today are equipped both on the health side and also on the economic side to have very productive futures. So this is a one-time opportunity with huge potential for economic growth but today's adolescents need to be healthy and they need to be able to be prepared in the future. It's 
we feel that it's very important to have rigorous impact evaluation around these programs so that we can understand how they're working, whether they're working, and to be able to understand what the limitations of some of the interventions that we do are. So based on our extensive study of the existing cash transfer programs in the region and how they affect the lives of youth, that's how we've been able to understand that while cash can have very positive impacts, particularly around poverty reduction and school enrollment, there are limitations to what they can do in the lives of adolescents. And the effects that we see on broader outcomes, such as mental health and pregnancy reduction and sexual debut delays, are really context-specific. And so we know that there has to be something else that these youth need, linkages to services, additional interventions, and that's what we're trying to study here. We're trying to understand the particular intervention that's going on in Tanzania, what are the impacts that it's having? And we hope that this evidence will be useful in helping to tailor the program in the future if it's not working, or scale it up if it is working. And we've seen across the region that when you have rigorous evidence on the impacts of these types of programs, you can advocate more strongly for their scale up, for budgeting to include these types of programs. The evidence is increasingly important um, to help allocate resources to the most effective programs. In, in addition to, um, to learning about the impacts, well, I think from the government of Tanzania's perspective is the whole aspect of the cash plus, the fact that it's being implemented and anchored on government structures and systems is so important and so key to ensure its sustainability, given the dwindling resources externally and also given the competing priorities, is really key for them to ensure that programs like this are, are implemented, lessons are learned, and um, findings then inform the scale-up of such programs so that majority of Tanzania's youth can be availed with evidence-based uh, interventions so that they can transition safely from adolescence to adulthood. Thank you all for this really interesting discussion. I hope our listeners learned as much as I did about the Cash Plus program for adolescents in Tanzania. For more information, please download our recently launched brief on the program at http colon double slash bit.ly slash cash plus tz and visit the UNICEF Tanzania Facebook page at facebook.com slash UNICEF Tanzania. Next time, we'll be talking to our resident expert on violence against children, Alina Potts, and discussing her latest blog, A Call for More Research on Trafficking and Humanitarian Emergencies. Please follow our podcasts at unicef-irc.org and get the latest updates from us on Twitter at twitter.com slash